once I admitted I was an alcoholic, I didn't know much about about it, except I did know that alcoholics die. I knew that. I knew alcoholics who drink die, and I didn't want to die. Welcome to the Recovery Edgecast, episode 17. Today I have Larry with us, and I met Larry at the Happy Trudgers group in Denver. Um, I always get a kick out of his shares, and uh, he's an artist, so maybe that makes his perspective a little unique. Anyways, enjoy the next hour as Larry shares his experience, strength, and hope with us. Thank you. So, when's your sober date? Uh, my sobriety date is September 22nd, 1994. How many years so is that now? That's uh, uh, 26. 26 years. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a home group? I do. It's it's uh, the Happy Treasures, which is uh, downtown Denver. Yeah. Cool. And um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, what what you're up to these days? Okay. Uh, well, I'm a I'm a artist, and uh, so I'm working on actually, uh, which is shocking at this late date in my life. I'm working on maybe the maybe the best piece of art I've ever done. Uh, it's it's quite a quite a massive uh, piece, and I'm I'm super excited about it. Um, you know, I I. Uh, try to uh live by inspiration these days and you know did not just artwork but also you know how i conduct myself through daily life and uh you know it's uh depending on a higher power uh is something i never expected to do and uh it's a it's a nice way to live where um, you know, when, when things seem to be difficult to go a certain direction, maybe that's because I'm not supposed to go that way. And, uh, so I try to pay attention to what's going on around me. And, uh, uh, so, you know, uh, with COVID, this has been really difficult for me. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm a person that requires a whole lot of a lot alone time, and, and but on a daily basis, I need to be with other people, and uh, you know, I live alone, and so man, I have not had nearly enough face to face contact with with people I know, mm. and uh, that's been that's been super hard, uh, and you know, face to face is not mask to mask. You know, for me, I mean, that, that makes a big difference. Hmm. And and when I go to when I go to the new meetings, uh, everyone's wearing masks. And that and that really um, makes a makes a difference to me as far as feeling like I'm, I'm if, you know, having a connection with with people. Yeah. Uh, so. So anyway, um, did, did that sort of answer your question or do you want me to? Yeah, no. I feel like you've warmed up here. You know, why don't you tell us what it was like before, what happened, and what it's like now? And you can start as early in your life as you see fit. Okay. Well, great. 
Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy to be doing this. I appreciate it, uh, Alfredo. Yeah, and, I appreciate uh, it. It's awesome. Oh well, good, good. Uh, you know, I, I uh, never know what, where I'm gonna, what I'm gonna say when I do this. So, um, since you mentioned I could start as early as I want, I can start with two of my earliest memories, which uh, must be significant in my life. I don't know that they explain me being an alcoholic. I don't know that if there's an explanation for that, but, but one of them is I was probably, um, I was four or five years old and my mother, who was a Sunday school teacher, gave me a, uh, a Bible story coloring book. And, uh, you know, what's really uh, a lot of zeal and sort of a, uh, uh, I'll say, uh, alcoholic thoroughness. So I went through this coloring book and every, every living creature in this coloring book uh uh i got a penis i drew a penis on every i mean i don't care it was birds in the sky and and uh you know the the nativity scene you know okay uh, hold on hold on hold on you said you drew yeah. a penis on everything yes yes okay. i thought that i mean i was i was four or five and i thought that was really important important information that had been just sort of as an oversight had been left out, you know, uh, of this, uh, of this coloring book of all these Bible stories. And, and, uh, you know, and I, I didn't have a sister or anything. And I, I assumed that everybody had a penis, you know, I mean, including, uh, so the Virgin Mary with a penis, I think was pretty upsetting to my mom. And, uh, you know, when she saw, I, I did this, I, I, I went through the entire coloring book and I was just really proud of what I'd done. I thought this was just, a, you know, uh, a wonderful, you know, piece of art. And, and when I showed it to my mom, it wasn't that she was mad, but she was just kind of horrified and disappointed. And, and, uh, she made it real clear to me is that if I did that again, I would no more coloring books. <laughs> And that was a, that was a huge huge threat. Now, what that what that pointed out to me was because I thought this was me at my best, you know, that I'd done something really wonderful. And not only had I disappointed mom, I I had disappointed God and the baby Jesus, and uh, you know, so it was it was um, it it showed me that I wouldn't necessarily know. What, how I was, uh, uh, you know, my relationship to those people and God and so forth that were really important to me, uh, that I could be a huge disappointment to them when I thought I was at my best. And, and it also showed me that uh, art was very powerful. And, uh, so I, you know, I grew up to, uh, to be an artist and, uh, uh, somewhere along the line, I discovered that, that, uh, girls don't have penises and that was really great information. And, uh, uh, and so I did art that, uh, you know, of, of people without penises and, uh, so anyway, that was, that was a big part of what I've done as a painter. Um, and the, the second 
story about uh, the, the earliest memory was um, I was I was even younger than that. I think I was about four, and my aunt had taught me how to do fractions. Okay, and so uh, my my mom was visiting with a with a neighbor lady, and the lady said uh, she didn't know how to do fractions, and so I started explaining it to her. You know, at four years old, and she was so insulted that. Uh, that this four-year-old <laughs> was explaining, you know, how to, how to do fractions to her, that, that once again, it was the same sort of thing where I was thinking I was doing something really great. That I was doing something really positive and that no, 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 I was, I was really, you know, being a bad kid mm. you know, without knowing it. And uh, so for whatever that's worth, I mean, that's two of the most vivid early memories I have. Mm. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, that's early, early, early childhood. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I was a really good kid. I was, I was, I was like, you know, typically, uh, you know, I started in kind of a small grade school and then the schools got bigger, but, but I, I was kind of, when I was born, I was the first grandchild on my mom's side of the family. So I was a real big deal, you know, and, and I was real smart and I was, you know, I was a good athlete and, and all those sorts of things. My teachers loved me. The other kids liked me. I was really, really popular. I was a really big deal in my family. So I got tons of approval, tons of approval from, you know, from almost the beginning. And, and so I know a lot of people feel different. I mean, people that are alcoholics feel different in some way. And, and I certainly did. But for me, it was like I had so much positive, you know, reinforcement all the time. I, I tended to feel better than other people. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but I just I felt very, uh, you know, very gifted and, and uh, like I had a lot to be thankful for and proud of. And so, um, uh, so I didn't, I didn't have, uh, what a lot of people have of like feeling, um, like an outsider. I mean, I did in a way, but it was, it was more like, you know, I mean, I had, I had sort of an idyllic, uh, childhood, uh, I did, I did really great in school. I, uh, I was the kind of kid that, that, uh, well, my family had, uh, we weren't rich, but we had standing in the community. You know, my father was a banker. My mom was a savings and loan officer. And, and anyway, we, we, I grew up with people like grown men sometimes would stop me on the street and say, you're, cause this is a little, little town in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, you're, you're Leroy's son, aren't you? I go, yeah. And they, and they would give me a testimonial about what a how much my father had helped them. And, and so, you know, I had this family that was well-respected. I had a lot of respect and stuff from, my peers and, and so forth and, and my teachers and, and, uh, academically I was, I was usually, I mean, at a certain point now I was, uh, I remember I was, uh, I'm not sure. I think I was in junior high and this girl that I, that I, uh, had a crush on made the comment 
that, you know, uh, that she said, you're, you're just such a brain. And she said that in a way I was going, oh man, I, you know, it really, that was the first time I felt embarrassed to be really smart, you know? And so at yeah. that point I started sandbagging in school where it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, like, I didn't want to be the smartest and be a brain, you know? And, and, uh, anyway, um, uh, let's see. So I didn't drink. Some of my friends were drinking at junior high age. I did not drink until I was a senior in high school. Now I played sports and stuff and, uh, was, I was always kind of afraid to drink because I didn't know if I would be able to drink like a man, you know what I mean? Like hmm. I, I didn't, I had no idea if I, you know, and so I was kind of afraid of it. And, and it was so, I mean, you know, my mom was very, very religious. My dad drank, but, but, uh, you know, he, he, it wasn't really a problem. Mm. Uh, and so, um, so there was just a lot of reasons for me not to drink, but, uh, I got hurt. Uh, I hurt my back and I couldn't play, I couldn't play sports anymore. And, uh, and so I, I veered off into, you know, uh, art, uh, as what I was really, really interested in. And, um, so we're seniors in high school, my two buddies, Daryl and Steve, the three of us get an old uh, guy old enough to buy beer, you know, get, get us some, something to drink. And so, I had the phenomenon of craving that first time I drank, which, uh, you know, it, my, my buddies didn't, uh, you know, very quickly they realized whenever we went out to drink that, uh, and we were drinking to get drunk, mm -hmm. but they could tell, they could tell, I didn't notice, but they noticed that I didn't drink like they did. Mm that I would drink, I would drink all of mine and try to eat, drink theirs. That first night when we drank, I said, we got to get, we've got to get more of this. And they said, no, we're already drunk. We don't need any more. I go, no, 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 we need more. And that's the way I always drank. I mean, I always, I mean, I had a, and I had a really huge capacity for it. Um, I, uh, there was a point in my drinking, well, I was trying to uh, control it. I was kind of trying to control my spending, I think, as much as anything. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, so when I went to the bar every, the bar I, that I lived across the street from, downtown Lawrence, Kansas, uh, opened at four in the afternoon. And I may have been drinking earlier in the day. I mean, I might have been drinking at lunch or whatever. But when I go there at four in the afternoon, I would only take enough money for 16 drinks. And, only 16. Only 16. That was, yeah, only 16. Now, you know, it's not a perfect system, you know, <laughs> but, but that was, you know, uh, it, 16 worked pretty good for me, but mm -hmm. that didn't mean that a buddy wouldn't start buying shots or something. You know, mm -hmm. and and OK, now now around that time, I remember, um, you know, 
uh, have you have you ever do you remember or this did this ever happen to you where you're walking downstairs and you're drunk and you're trying to keep from just falling down the stairs and so you're holding on to the handrail with both hands yeah. and your inside hand slips off and so you got a hold of it where you get flipped around backwards <laughs> you know because the wrong hand's on the handrail and now you're like it's kind of like you're going down a rope backwards you know your heads <laughs> you know you're going backwards down the stairs and uh so this this bar was like that it had like a it's a really old high ceiling kind of place. So, so the stairs were like almost a straight shot, like, you know, very steep going down and, and, uh, and there'd be people coming up the stairs while I'm, while I'm like going down the stairs backwards. You know? <laughs> uh, and I remember one evening when the bartender, uh, said, asked a guy, said, would you see it because a friend of mine had been buying shots. Okay. So I'm like really plastered. And, and the bartender asked a guy that's there at the bar with his, his leave. He go, would you see that Larry gets home? And he goes, Oh yeah, sure. So we get, go down the stairs and, and he's trying to shove me into his pickup truck. Well, I'm too drunk to talk. And I'm like wedged in the door of his, of his truck trying to keep and he's behind me shoving and he's going larry you know pull harder i can't get you in the truck and i keep trying to say i live across the street and <laughs> he can't understand me mm. so that's part of what it was like you know and and around that time uh you know if i i remember coming in uh and what you know hungry and deciding to cook a pizza so I turn on the oven as high as it go and throw the pizza in there. And then, and then, uh, you know, when the fire alarm would go off, I would know that uh, my pizza was ready. You know, I mean, actually I would get up, I would the fire cause I would pass out fire alarm would go off. I would like to take a, take a broom. I had real high ceilings and I have to jump to knock that, that fire alarm off the ceiling to get it to stop, you know, ringing. And then I'd pull a fr- flaming pizza out of the oven and throw like a, a uh, you know, pan, a, a pan lid on top of it to put out the fire. And then I would eat the pizza. You know, and so, you know, if, if cooking d- dinner is uh, life threatening, then, uh, then, uh, you know, drinking may be a problem. So did anybody at this point start telling you that you have issues around your drinking? No. How did you pull that off? Were you just hiding uh, it? Well, I, well, I was self-employed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was self-employed, and uh, uh, you know, the people I drank around uh, also drank a lot. Mm. You know, and and uh, you know, I um, when I when I when I was married and when I, or when I lived with some, uh, with, with somebody, then, then, uh, you know, that was kind of moderated a little bit. This was sort of in the gaps between relationships when it was, when it was that crazy. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, so there wasn't, I wasn't coming home to somebody that was going to say, you know, this is, this is not good. And, and, uh, you know, I, I had, 
you know, some of our relationships were with uh, women who who uh, drank, uh, you know, to excess themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so so they the thing about it is, of course, if I think you've got a problem, well, I must have a problem, too, because you drink like I do or vice versa. And and I and I honestly didn't think that it was a problem. I mean, it, it was my earliest solution. When I when I started drinking as a teenager, I, I just remember that first night as I as I started getting drunk, I was going, "Man, this is the greatest thing ever!" I mean, how, how did nobody ever tell me about this? Mm-hmm. Just how absolutely wonderful! I mean, just the the world became magical. It was just like, you know a key and a lock that it just, they just opened the world up to me. Mm. I suddenly felt, I, I remember when I would drink, I think this is, this is how I'm supposed to feel. You know, this is, uh, you know, how, if I could just maintain <laughs> this level of, of blood alcohol all the time, Life would be perfect. Now, I really slam drinks. You know, I don't know. I mean, that was sort of my quest was to find the right uh, speed to drink. But I would just, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I, I would just, I would come in and, you know, I know four, four or five drinks an hour wasn't, you know, wasn't uh, that magic amount of alcohol to really function well and, and so forth but but i I, you know it it all seemed worth it and it was so it was so there was sort of a quest to to uh you know as i say control my drinking well what i wanted to do was was uh function well enough not cause myself lots of problems but you know keep on drinking and i was able to accomplish a lot in life um even though i um was operating, you know, drunk most of the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in college, you know, I, uh, I did really well. I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of a star of my area mm-hmm. uh, in in art, in art, and and uh, I I was doing professional work. Uh, I. I Back then, I was like oriented around advertising and that sort of stuff, mm. and so I had my first uh, first illustration in a in a magazine when I was a junior in, in college, and I worked professionally uh, my my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did you know, some advertising work as well as other graphic design and, and everything. And then I, so I, I was accomplishing things and I had very, very high expectations of what I could do. And, uh, and, you know, there, were, I did not take disappointment. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was like, I, I, I felt, uh, I had, I had really high expectations and when things didn't go well, I, it always seemed like a blessing or a curse, however things were going. 
You know, mm-hmm. I I've been raised I've been raised in a church. We went to church, Sunday school and church every Sunday. You know, but as soon as I went off to college, I I became I uh, became an atheist. And and part of that is that uh, the church I was raised in is like I you didn't even have to do the wrong thing. You had to do, all you had to do was think the wrong thing, and you and you could go to hell. You know, and mm-hmm. so, man, that was that was a standard. And of course, once I hit puberty, there was nothing I could think of <laughs> other than what my, you know, other than the stuff my church said I shouldn't think about. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it made absolutely no sense to me. And and uh, and then eventually, uh, you know, being away from being away from uh, home and on my own at, at school and. And, uh, you know, by that point I was, I was drinking a lot and I, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I made great grades in college and, and, uh, um, uh, love being there. It's a great time. Uh, I ended up getting married right out of college and, uh, you know, expected to just kick ass when I got out of, when I got out in the big world, you know? Cause I felt I was like really talented and I, I, and more than just talented, I felt like I, I, uh, brought a lot of, uh, intelligence to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. At what uh, point did you start to notice that your quality or that things were slipping away from you? Um, I guess we well, could say due to your drinking, but you may have not even been aware of that. Well, you know, I, um, I always well my my standard of work was it was more the the quantity of what I could could produce than the than the quality of it. I always I always created always did really good work, and and I was never fired from a job. Uh, I uh, you know I was I was usually well. I, w- I would be the guy that go, okay, you got an you got an impossible assignment. Give it to Larry; he'll get it done. He'll meet the deadline. And and I would. Uh, so, it it uh, it was more an internal thing for me. Uh, you know, um, my my marriage ended. Uh, I, I was married about five years and I made the decision. I didn't want to stay married. And mm. at that point, my, at that point, my, uh, because I was after my wife and I split up, I was just, uh, I was going to work. Well, I was I, at that point, I was an art director in a small advertising studio and I would go to work usually like 6am. I had a million deadlines throughout the day. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. super, pressure and this was like pre-computer so it was like you were depending all the, on all these vendors to get stuff to you on time and if one thing didn't show up man it just everything crashed and burned you know mm-hmm. so uh so it was, it was a lot of pressure to the job i would you know i'd go in super early i'd go i probably had uh, a few drinks at lunch i'd go back to work uh you know i i would uh, work till a certain point, I'd go out to supper, have more drinks, maybe, maybe go back to work a little bit and then close down a bar mm-hmm. and maybe, 
you know, and, and I was quite, uh, I was quite uh, gregarious. <laughs> and so a lot of times I, I was, uh, up until, you know, morning almost. And so that, that was really, uh, I finally, I mean, I burned out at that point. I did that for some time and, you know, and your, your body, you'll only take so much. And I, I, uh, I woke up one morning and uh, I just couldn't do it another day. And uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, the one thing that that seemed to always work for me was was uh, was girls and alcohol, you know, and and possibly and marijuana if that was around and. And, uh, and I woke up one morning with, with, with this lady and I, and I just wanted to kill myself. You know, I, it, it, uh, I, I just couldn't do it another day. And I called, uh, my buddy, uh, the guy, a guy that worked under me, who'd actually gotten, you know, got me hired as his boss. I called him, I said, Hey, you know, tell, uh, tell Jack, I, I'm, I'm gone. First, I mean, I called my parents and said, hey, can I come come home for, for a while? And they said, oh, yeah, of course, you know. And I threw my dog uh, and my clothes in my car and threw my watch out the fucking window and uh, left. And uh, so that was everything. And everything was kind of crashing at the same time. And then so I got to spend a little bit of time with my with my parents and, and you know, and and then uh, my dad died, and so my marriage had ended. I I burned out at my career in my head, and and uh, my father had died. At this point, were you did you even um, think that alcohol was a problem or was the cause? No, I never saw it as the cause. Mm. I never saw it. I just I just saw it as something. Uh, well. You know, I couldn't imagine life without alcohol. It was the only solution I had. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like the, you know, it was the one thing that 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 uh, relieved. I, I will say it was fear. There was generally yeah. there was like some some undefined fear that I was trying to, uh, you know, to to mm-hmm. uh, cover up, and yeah. and alcohol seemed to do that. Now. At the end of my drinking, I could be rolling on the floor laughing, and that impending doom would mm-hmm. would still be right there in my face. So let's fast you forward know. a little bit to the end sure. of your drinking. Okay. What were the moments leading to that, or life events? Okay. Well, um, this is this is what happened. I I had uh, I had gone to uh, Austria skiing. And I was drunk the whole time I was there. And, uh, and when I came back to Cincinnati where I was living, uh, I was just, I was just beat to crap. And, uh, so I, I told myself, okay, you need to kind of, you, you need to not drink, you know, for, for a while and kind of heal up because I, I'd fallen on some steep ice and I was like, just, just all beat up. And, and so, um, uh, and so my plan to not drink and heal up, I was drunk for like three more weeks. 
And in the middle of the night, I felt like I, I thought I was having a heart attack. I just felt like I had a spike all the way through my chest. And I woke up my brother and, I, and told him that I needed to go to the emergency room. Okay. Now, at this point, I had been suicidal for a long time. Now, I'm telling you, my life was pretty good. But still, uh, you know, I, I just, for whatever reason, I had that, that just complete emptiness. And, and life just seemed like it that that I that it wasn't worthwhile. So my brother's driving me to the to the emergency room and I'm not bargaining with God. I'm glad I'm glad I'm dying. You know, I'm I'm relieved. I'm going, man, I'm glad this shit is over with. Now I wasn't glad enough to not go to the emergency room. Okay, now I, I realize that. But, but I, I wasn't like afraid that I was dying. I, that, I, that was, I was going to welcome that. Well, they put me, you know, like I was in the hospital a few days and the cardiologist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I was healthy as a horse. I mean, I was, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. And, uh, and so that was a shock to me though. When I looked at it, I was going, I, I was shocked that I was, that my reaction to thinking I was dying was, I was glad, Yeah, you know, even though I'd been suicidal, I, that was a shock. And I was going, man, I've got to change something. And the fact, and I assumed that because I'd been such a heavy drinker for so long that I assumed that my health was, I mean, would, would there be major problems? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that I was so healthy, I was going, oh, th- now I, I, I still wasn't connecting all the dots, but I, I thought what I thought the problem was that there was some subtle, you know, insanity, you know, some little mental problem that could be fixed and that, that had nothing to do with alcohol. And so, and so I went to a psychiatrist and this guy on the intake uh, had these questions and one of them, you know, like, what would, what do you want to accomplish in, you know, in therapy and somewhere heading way down the list of stuff I wanted to do, you know, was uh, a drink more responsibly, I think is what I said. Mm. And he zeroed in right on that. Mm. He's going, what, what about this? You know, and I really was, I kind of, you know, I didn't say I, and of course it's not the quantity you drink, it's how it affects you and, and, you know, whether you're an alcoholic or not. I mean, you have the phenomenon of craving and like my dad, I didn't, I didn't realize that, you know, a couple of beers and he'd be drunk, you know, where I was just the opposite. I could just drink, you know, huge amounts Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, so anyway, this guy was smart enough. He'd been a, before he went into practice, he'd been a alcohol and drug. Uh, he, he'd he uh, been, the, been the head of this alcohol and drug treatment place. And so he knew, he knew this stuff. And so he, he insisted that, uh, that I go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And he said, I, you know, I'm not going to waste our time and your money uh, trying to treat you if you, unless you'll go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And so just to placate him, I went. And much to my shock, 
the very first meeting I went to, it, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I, I was just astounded by it. Here were all these people sitting around with regard for each other. They were listening to each other and, and it seemed to be happy people and they were glad I was there. You know, they were going, Oh, well, you know, be sure and, you know, keep coming back. And, and, uh, you know, they weren't, people weren't always glad to see me at this point. So, and, and uh, something else that really recommended AA to me was there were no dues or fees. It was voluntary contributions. And that really, that really validated it for me in a lot of ways mm -hmm. that it didn't seem like, okay, this is just another way to get my money. What got me in the door was just, uh, I was trying to not commit suicide. Yeah. You know, that's what I was trying to do was not commit suicide. The psychiatrist I went to, to help me do that, insisted I go to AA, I went mm -hmm. to AA and fairly, fairly quickly, I realized that I was getting way more from AA you know, for, uh, you know, throwing, putting a dollar in a basket if I had it, then paying mm -hmm. this guy 80 bucks an hour or whatever. I don't even remember this so long ago, you know. And and so that's how I, that's how I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. Were you sober ever and, since? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, I, I've, I haven't had a drink since then. Now, I relapsed on on a on an outside issue after six months, mm -hmm. okay. and and uh, you know and so that was uh, so I've been you know that was my last drink was yeah. when I went to my first meeting. That's pretty amazing, you know? pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I uh, I knew I was going to die. Mm -hmm. I really didn't think that I could do this. Uh, once I took a, once I admitted I was an alcoholic, I didn't know much about, about it, except I didn't know that alcoholics die. I knew that I knew alcoholics who drink die mm -hmm. and I didn't want to die as, as long. I mean, as suicidal, I, it wasn't that I didn't, it wasn't that I wanted to die. It was what I wanted to be out of pain. I just didn't want to live with with all this psychological or whatever pain all the time. So tell us about that first year. Oh, the first year. Oh man, it was it was great. I, I uh, uh, the psychiatrist, you know, just insisted that I get a sponsor. And uh, the very first meeting I went to, there was a, a young kid there. And that, I mean, it, well, I've been, his, his name was a young guy named Tim. And he said, Hey, do you want to go to me? And I said, yeah, hell yeah. And, uh, he started hauling me all over Cincinnati. Hmm. And, uh, um, so he, I was going to about 15 meetings a week. Uh, and, and a lot of them were with him hmm. and he was, uh, he was, 25 and sober six years. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he, he did all his drinking underage and he was a great, great guy. And, uh, uh, I'd been, I'd been drinking 26 years. So, <laughs> so I'd been drinking longer and he'd been alive yeah. and, and, uh, but he had something I wanted, you know, it, which was he seemed to know what the solution was and i and i had no clue what the solution was so 
So I did. So he became my sponsor and uh, I did everything he suggested. Now, sometimes, I mean, like when he said, you know, I want you to pray. And I was going, well, Tim, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist. And he said, I didn't, I didn't ask you that, you know. <laughs> We don't care if you're an atheist, you know, it makes no difference. I'm asking you to pray. And it doesn't matter what your belief is. Your belief's got you sitting right here, you know, going, okay. I mean, I knew I didn't know the solution. And so whatever they told me to do, I was going to try. And I didn't think AA could work, but I wasn't ready to jump out a window yet. I mean, I was hoping I wouldn't have to. And, and, uh, you know, I had moved from my brother's place to, to a seventh floor apartment, downtown Cincinnati. And, uh, and like I said, I, uh, my sponsor, one of my sponsor's buddies was a chair for speakers in that whole big, big county. And so I was immediately, uh, getting to speak at, uh, you know, like doing like little 15 minute mini leads or 10 or 15 minutes with maybe a couple other new guys that like, a, like at halfway houses and lockups and, you know, probation meetings and, and all that sort of stuff. And I, you know, and, you know, experience freaking hope, man. I, all I had was just a glimmer of hope. That's all I had. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it was great though. You know, and, and one of the things was that I ended up doing was I, uh, they, <laughs> they had me chairing a meeting at a, at a lockup that was, uh, two miles from my apartment. And so the first mile was okay. The second mile I was in over the Rhine, which, uh, was really dangerous area. In fact, there was not too long after I moved. Well, after I left Cincinnati, there was martial law there. I mean, it, it, uh, there was, it was mostly abandoned buildings. And if I saw other people in the street, I wasn't sure I was going to make it to that meeting. But, uh, but I always did. And you know what it says? We shouldn't be afraid to go to the most sordid place, you know, to carry the message. And I, and I could, and I considered myself a dead man. If I, if I couldn't stay sober, I knew I was dead. Mm. And so, uh, so I was willing to do it. And, and so I would, once a week, uh, I would, uh, I would walk to that, uh, to that place, a chair meeting, and it was 50 locked up guys and me. I mean, I was a new guy and I didn't know enough people. I would try and get other people to come with me. But, uh, but I did, you know, a lot of the times it was just me. And so, so it was the, uh, it was on the second or third floor. So it was me and all these locked up guys and the phone over, you know, on the wall and all the guards and everything were like two floors down, you know? So it was fine. I mean, there was never any problem. Uh, I was, you know, I was willing to do, my point is I was willing to do anything to stay sober. And so, uh, there, it was great. It was great though. My sponsor, uh, you know, he was, he was really young. So I was around a lot of young people. They had a lot of part parties, you know, like swimming pool party or, you know, barbecues and stuff like that. And so I, I did a lot of stuff, you know, there was, there was tons of fellowship 
besides the meetings. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of times it was going it was going out to restaurants after before or after meetings. And, uh, you know, every Friday we would go to I don't know if you ever saw the, the movie Rain Man, but but uh, the re- this restaurant in there where, where the waitress drops the toothpicks. That's that's uh, where we went every Friday night on Friday nights. I would go to three or four meetings and and uh one of them was a speaker meeting where there was about uh 500 people and uh so that was amazing to me I, yeah. you know it, and something really cool is to is is for 500 people to introduce themselves they would go around the entire room mm-hmm. you know with introductions and that was just uh, that was just a very cool thing for me um so I, uh, oh, th- now this is, this is really one of the things that, that I, that I am glad I experienced, which was, uh, I had, I, I was living with my brother and he, um, he and his, he had just, he had just gotten married. It was a financial, I don't know, I need to go into, into all the details, but I was going to have to move out by a certain date and uh, and now uh, he, he and his brand new wife had agreed on this but without telling me and so mm-hmm. by the time they tell me it's like you know i i was supposed to be out of there uh, i'm sober 10 days when they tell me i'm supposed to be out of the house in three you know in like less weeks and i was going that's not possible you know and so i uh and and I went to that that day. I went to my new one of my noon meetings. And after the meeting, two ladies came up to me, and they said, "What kind of art is it that you do?" And I told them. They said, "Well, you know, we buy art, what uh, illustration." And uh, I got I got the single biggest um, illustration job I've ever gotten. And that put me in an apartment and paid my bills for half a year. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and so I'm in, I've moved into this apartment and I'm getting you know, like, I got an advance, I'm getting paid so-and-so, but I'm still in my head. I'm thinking I gotta, I gotta manage all this, you know, that I've got to make all the, I, I have it visualized how all these things have to fall into place in a very specific way or it's all going to crash and burn. I'm still going to have to jump out this window. Mm-hmm. And so, but what happened was none of it happened the way I planned it. It happened better than I planned it. And, and, uh, you know, I would have to deliver these illustrations like all, like every day or two or three, I had deadlines I had to meet yeah. on this big, huge project. And so, there were days when I would get up, I'd be sketching or painting or whatever I was doing and I was getting nowhere. Okay. And I have to deliver this at like two fifteen, and, and at 1130, it took me a half an hour to walk to my meeting at, at, at 1130. I went to my meeting, got back at one thirty, And in that 45 minutes, what I couldn't do, and the entire morning would just like a magic trick, bang, 
get done. I delivered it on time every single time. Hmm. Now, now I was, when I, when I met initially with, with the, those ladies in this advertising agency that they were working with and I was going to have to work with, I was sitting there blinking and twitching and stuttering. I mean, th this is the way I was at that time because I was detoxing. I didn't go, I mean, I didn't go to, you know, treatment or anything. I was detoxing. So I was blinking and twitching and stuttering, but I go into this meeting and I'm like, uh, coming up with, you know, ideas for this project, you know, just, it, it was, it was unbelievable. And, and that was, uh, you know, that was God taking care of me. Uh, and so the fact that the, at the time it was so stressful, but I can look back on it and go, man, um, uh, I put the program first. I put my sobriety first, just like my sponsor kept telling me, you know, cause one day he had said to me, cause I was telling him, okay, all this, the steps on that, that's fine. But I've got these, I've got these problems I have to deal with. And he said, well, if we could solve every single one of those problems, would you still be an alcoholic? I go, well, yeah. And he go, that's what we're going to work on. All this other stuff will get taken care of. But what we're going to do is get you through the steps. And so that's what we did. And, 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 uh, and me, so that, that showed me that I didn't have to have the solutions, that I had to just have some faith and, and do what was put in front of me. And, uh, you know, so that was, that was a great lesson to me. Mm. And it's one that I look back on just, I, I'm, I'm happy that everything seemed, it was so intense and seemed so life and death and it all seemed so hopeless because it, it, it all worked out and, and it wasn't dependent on me always, you know, mm. figuring it all out, you know, cause my plans were, weren't as good as what happened. And so anyway, it, uh, that's, that's more about, about the first year. I, now my, uh, well, I was sober a few months and, uh, and my mother was, uh, my mother's doctor called me and told me that I, that I needed to come out to Oklahoma and take care of my mom. And so I, uh, so I left Cincinnati and, and uh, went to Oklahoma and man, that was, that was rough because I went from Cincinnati with, I don't know how many, you know, 20, probably 2,500 meetings a week to uh, a little bitty town with uh, a handful of meetings that really stunk, <laughs> you know, that were, that were not great. And, uh, and my, and I, and my sponsor, and he said, I won't, I won't sponsor you long distance. You have to find a sponsor out there. And I was going, oh my God, it was, it was pretty odd <laughs> anyway. So I, I survived it and, uh, uh, in Oklahoma. And so pretty quickly I was, uh, in Oklahoma, I was like sponsoring guys when I was, 
you know, less than a year sober just because there was just so few people around and uh, that, that were working a program. And, and I got a real good basis of it all uh, in Cincinnati and from my sponsor out there and, and just, you know, and, and I was, it, it was never a, um, a, uh, like a problem for me to go to meetings. I loved going to meetings. I was just glad I got to, and I tell and it's something I'll tell you about my sponsor uh, and how self-centered I was. This guy, I said he was hauling me all over Cincinnati. Well, I never, asked, I never even asked him where he lived. He lived on the other side of Cincinnati. It took him about an hour to come get me hmm. for us to go to a meeting together. Then we go out to dinner and stuff, and he would take me home, and then he would go home himself. And at one point, I asked him, I said, Tim, why, why are you doing all this? He said, believe me, you're helping me more than I'm helping you. Hmm. And I was going, I said, well, I don't understand. He goes, well, I don't want to be you. <laughs> you know, yeah. he was he was doing service. That was the deal. He was doing service. And I, and I, and a lot of times there were, he would, he would pick up me and like maybe three or four other guys and we'd go to a meeting. And I, and I asked him, what about the guys that we see and then they don't show up anymore and stuff? And, and he said, well, I used to try and call them and, and stuff and, and all that. And he said, then my sponsor said, when are you going to stop chasing these guys around, Tim? And so, you know, like it says, we, uh, uh, you know, we, we work with the people who are willing for yeah. us to work with it. You know, that, that, uh, it, that if, if they don't want to work, then we move on to someone else. And so, so tell us what, um, what things are like today, because you are still an artist. I'm still an artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, this is really, um, uh, this is a big part of the way my life is today about about 10 years ago or, or well long, uh, yeah about 10 years ago uh, I had made the transition from uh, being a being an illustrator graphic designer into fine art painter and and uh, my first show was was really great but it seemed but it coincided with um, it coincided with 2008 when everything was just going to crap, you know, when the economy was like crashing and it took about two years for it to catch up to me. And I lost fucking everything. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I lost all everything I had, which wasn't a lot being a, being an artist. I mean, uh, you know, I, uh, so I had to, I had to, find a spiritual, you know, a reliance on, on God that, uh, would, and a, and a philosophy of, of life that made it all make sense to me or, or made, made life bearable for me because that, that had seemed such a cruel thing. Like God had abandoned me, but, but actually those changes that were forced on me uh, have in some way benefited me, all of them. And, and it forced spiritual growth that I would not have been able to uh, 
to achieve, I don't think, without having my back against the wall. You know, that adversity was was very helpful to me. And, and uh, the, you know, and I never, I ne- you know, no matter how bad it got, I never came close to drinking. You know, it, it, uh, that's never been, you know, I don't take credit at all for my sobriety. I just see, uh, you know, I, I see it as God's grace. When I first came in the program and I was working so hard and I was going to so many meetings, I was doing the steps and just, you know, going to any length, I thought that's what was keeping me sober. But, but even that willingness, the willingness to do any of that stuff, I see as God's grace. You know, not everybody has it. Well, you know, I don't take credit for that. And, um, you know, even my artwork, any of the stuff I do, I go, I try to, I try to be inspired. And, and, uh, it, it's helpful to me, for me not to feel like I'm the one accomplishing anything, that it's just, God has given me these gifts and whatever those gifts are, gifts are to be given. And so I get to share whatever it is that I have or have learned or, you know, my artwork, you know, that it's, that I'm trying to make a contribution with it, you know, to, to, to add to, uh, to, to God's, you know, beautiful world. And, and, um, so, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm an artist and I, you know, it, it's, well, you know, making that decision to be an artist, I did it as a kid. You know, I was like 18 when I made that decision. And part of that was, um, it seemed like, you know, a real romantic thing to do, but, but it also seemed like a way to avoid all the fucking rules of society. You know, uh, nobody's disappointed if a, if an are surprised certainly I don't think it's people aren't surprised when artists are you know a, you know immoral drunken assholes you know and I and I that that, that gave me a, a real freedom that I wanted hmm. you know I mean I, I initially when I when I went to college I thought I'd be a banker like my father but immediately, you know, I went to my first uh, first class and I was going, oh, OK, do I want to sit here and and uh, and draw uh, naked women or do I want to uh, fuck around with numbers, you know, and stuff? Well, that was that was no contest. Mm-hmm. And so and so, yeah, I made that decision as a kid that I would be an artist. And it was kind of the times, too, that that was sort of a, a cool thing. But mm-hmm. but um, but it it's been it's not the easiest road. You know, it's it's uh, now I, I started off in advertising, you know, headed toward advertising. And I expected to make a whole lot of money. And early on, I mean, not not the not right out of school, but. But uh, after I'd been at it for a few years, I was making a lot of money. 
I mean, I was I was making like in around like eighty one or two or something. I was making about a hundred and fifty dollars an hour, which if you figure what that is today, that's that's quite a bit for a, a guy with just a paintbrush, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and the thing was, I thought it would just go on forever, and I was completely irresponsible with it. You know, and mm-hmm. I and I remember one year, I mean, I made enough in the first five weeks. I don't think I worked the rest of the year. Mm. You know, I mean, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I probably did a little job here or there, mm-hmm. you know, but but anyway, so so. Um, so if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice that first year, what would you say? Oh, uh, well, I'm not sure if, uh, I mean, I think there's something about the fear, the, the motivation of the fear that's worthwhile. I, I wish I didn't have, I wish I, I uh, the fear was real painful. But I would, I would say, you know what, this, this works. This, this does exactly what it promises. If you don't want to drink... You don't have to drink anymore. You don't have to drink yourself to death. You don't have to, you know, go through all that pain and suffering, you know. And if there's a, and, it, and uh, for me, it was a shock that a, a life that relies on a higher power, even believes in a higher power, that that that, that could be a, a great thing. Because I thought, I thought, okay. If I turn stuff over to God, he's going to he's going to not want me to do any of the shit I really want to do. Mm-hmm. But but surprisingly, as I was, you know, I got sober and I went through the steps and stuff. What I wanted to do changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, like I I became less selfish and less all those sorts of, you know, that self, you know, all mm-hmm. those things that we do where we focus on ourselves, and not that we're necessarily unkind people but we're just negligent in, mm-hmm. in the way we tr- treat other people and the people we care about mm-hmm. because our drinking has to has to come first and uh and so you know i i mean the one thing that i know is you have to keep coming back and, and you have to, or at least my experience, now, mm-hmm. everybody gets to do this the way they, they want to, you know, uh, whether or not that works or not, you know, that's another question, but, but, uh, I, I intuitively knew that all the stuff I did not want to do was the stuff I really needed to do, mm-hmm. but that would be the most important to my sobriety. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, so I gave up all decisions about, you know, well, I do this, well, I do that. Nope, I was going to do all of it. And, and, uh, and so that, that, that really worked for me, you know, just, I mean, so I go to a meeting and somebody say, oh, you know, I got do this every morning. I go, oh my God, yeah, I better do that too, you know. Cause I, cause it seemed like a magic formula, but I didn't know what the formula really was or what part was going to save me. And so, and I didn't want to miss the essential part. So I, so I wanted to do all of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't matter, 
you know, just, just, uh, I was going to, I was desperate to stay sober. I mean, I, I, uh, I was not on the fence at all. Mm. Now, now I was on, you know, I did all my kind of questioning all that stuff before I came in. When I came in, I was going, okay. It, I thought if I didn't know that I was an alcoholic for all those years, I must not have a clue about much. Mm-hmm. And so that made me open-minded to, you know, to, to, to the suggestions mm. that I, that my, I'd always been pretty, pretty confident in my decisions. And then I, and then I came into AA and I was going, I, I don't know, I don't know anything, you know, and I always had that, you know, a sense of humor and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, it all disappeared. I was going, I wonder when I'm going to get a personality, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I got all these parties and stuff with my sponsor and all these AA meetings and everything. And I'd like, I try and talk to people. I go, golly, I, I can't relate to anybody. I don't know what the hell I'm doing anymore. And I used to be just very, very sociable. Mm. You know? So it took a real, <laughs> a big reorientation uh, of, of everything, everything changed. And I, I realized that you know, if I hadn't done it sober, because I was going, okay, this is the first time I've ever been in a in a convertible sober. You know, this is the first time I've ever. Then I finally one day I was going, fuck, this is the first time you've done anything sober, so quit. You know, uh, going, this is the first time. It's all the first time. And and boy, you know, when it comes to sex, boy, now that is that a first time. <laughs> you know, I mean, if because I don't. I, I don't believe I'd ever had sex uh, without being drunk at least the first time with somebody, mm. you know. So so that was man, that was a whole new deal. Mm. <laughs> and um, um, so I don't know about if I answered the question about it, the advice I give myself. <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Um, Larry, thanks for uh, sharing your story with us. Oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm thrilled to do it, and I, I appreciate you having me do it. I like, you know, it's, it, was real, uh, it was real pleasurable for me, and I hope I made some sense here and there. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and that, and that people, someone gets something from it. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do is, you know, is carry the message. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and the one thing I that I know is that, Anyone who wants to get sober, if they're willing to do what what's asked of them, they mm-hmm. can. You know, now I say that anybody, hey, it's all it's all between it's all between me and God and you and God, and and I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like I said, I think my willingness was 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 God's grace. Mm-hmm. So, but but if you come in, take heart, you know, have hope because this stuff actually works. Nice. Anyway, yeah. Hey, so, are you uh, uh, are you still buying coloring books? <laughs> you know what? I've actually I actually illustrated some coloring books uh, at one oh, point. Nice. But uh, no uh, no uh, anatomically correct characters in mm. any of them. 
Okay. And uh, and in some cases, you know, the, starting off, I had them anatomically incorrect. <laughs> in the great. case of in case of all the ladies uh, in the in the coloring book. Yeah. But uh, thanks again, Larry, for sharing your story with us. Um, I think everyone's going to love it, and I'm really glad to be able to sit down for you know, an hour and really just hear it. Cause I've heard you in the rooms before and I've always liked your shares. Um, and it's great to get, you know, an hour's worth of it. I'd say the entirety, but that's probably not true at all. Well, no, I mean, I can, I can, you know, if you, I could talk for another five or six hours, <laughs> easily, but, but nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, I me. might run out of so, room on my SD card here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, no, it's great. It was great. I, I enjoyed doing it. It's a big help to me, you know, like I'll tell you that in Cincinnati, they say when you're asked to speak, they say you must be needing some help. And so, uh, I, I kind of was, uh, you know, like, like I said, I've been struggling with isolation. So this is a big help. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for asking me to do this. Hey, I love you, brother. And I'll see you soon. All right. Okay. Okay. See you, Alfredo. Thanks again, Larry, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. And thank you listeners for checking us out today. Remember, you can find us at recoveryedgecast.com. Uh, We're also on Facebook and iHeartRadio, wherever you want to listen to your podcasts, we'll be there. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.